When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, everybody? What's up? Diamond Dogs. <laughs> What's up, Athletic Gerbils? What's up, 3Bs? I forgot the own, the I forgot the intro to my own show because I'm so overwhelmed with information for this episode of the podcast. As you can probably understandably know unless this is the first episode that you're listening to and you don't pay attention to baseball, which if you are that person, welcome aboard and thanks for taking a chance. Thanks for coming to this show because this is Three Swings. It's a show about baseball and other things. Um, and apparently you've heard that and now you're listening and I appreciate that. And everybody else who does listen to the podcast or follows baseball appreciates you too. Um, cause the more the merrier, you know, and, uh, it seems to me that outside perspectives tend to help us stop being so internal and allow us to understand a larger scope of existence. So thanks for being here. I'm Rhea Butcher. I'm the host of this show. Um, to everybody that's here, thanks so much for being on board with the new release schedule. Uh, bench coach Brett and I talked and had a very cl- clear uh, communication because uh, a- as my bench coach, I want him to be able to tell me what's going on with him and I want to know what's going on with my team. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, what we're going to do is until uh, the the first game of the season, which is going to be the weekend of March 29th, um, we will be releasing bi-weekly episodes and in between those bi-weekly episodes, I'm going to start doing Instagram lives where an episode would normally be released, which would be Friday. So this Friday that you're listening right now is the 17th. And so the next episode that is coming out will be the 31st, but in between that will be the 24th. And so on the 24th at let's say 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and all the time zones in between, Uh, I will do an Instagram Live to talk about what's going on in baseball, in my life, in your lives, in our lives, in all of it. Um, And I'll probably do it, do like a half an hour. If it goes great, I'll make it an hour, and we'll try that out, Um, and we'll see how it goes. I'm writing, I'm literally writing myself a note. I'm also doing something now with this podcast where I have notes (laughs) and I take notes to give to bench coach Brett for when he's editing. And this is a little look behind the curtain, not because, well, just because I want to let you guys know, I learned as a human being, making other people's jobs easier makes your job better. I've just learned that. And so I don't know how you can apply that to your job or your life, but you might be able to. And I've just found that, uh, if I stop being, I wouldn't say lazy, but if I go just a little extra bit by writing down time signatures of things I need to be edited, that gives my friend bench coach Brett 
a sort of game plan, if you will, an approach to what he's doing and I'm not doing. I've never edited this podcast, so I have no idea how difficult it is. He does a fantastic job. I'm sure you all agree. So I want him to be able to do an even more fantastic job and be able to do his job well. And so I'm giving him notes. And so I have a pen and paper. And in doing that, the last couple times, I've realized I need a full notepad. I need a pen in my hand. I need to be able to see the time signature on the task cam as I'm recording it. And I realized all those things. And now I have a new podcasting setup in my kitchen, looking out the window, seeing a nice blue sky, looking at a, a Dorothy Kamenchek, uh starting lineup that somebody gave me in Austin last year when I went on tour, uh, number 21. Uh, Dorothy Cam Kamchek, one of the stars of the All-American Girls Professional League, looking at her, looking at a plant that my friend gave me, looking at one of my favorite cacti that I have in my house. Uh, his name is Bert. Um, you know, just like now I've got a whole new perspective. And in doing all of that, I took extra notes on the notes that Brett gave me. Now, this might sound like bragging to some of you. Perhaps a little bit of it is. But Mostly I'm sharing this because I'm just sharing that if you just do, if you just crack it open just a little bit to do just a little bit more, it tends to like just open wide up, you know, open wide up. Is that a phrase? I don't know. Now it is. Um, it just makes everything a little bit easier. It makes it easier for me to do more. Doing a little makes it easier for me to do a little bit more. You don't have to do the whole thing all at once. I think that's been something that has been difficult for me as just a human being in the world. Um, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like I, I think of a thing I want to do. Like I want to play some music and I, my brain immediately is like, well, you're not in a band, so you can't. And so I don't even like pick up a guitar and put it in my hands. Like sometimes just holding a guitar or like holding drumsticks is like all you need to do. And then like you just are tender with that. And then you, the next time you pick up the guitar, you strum an A chord and then you strum an E chord and then you play a G. Then maybe you put it down. And then the next time you're like, I want to learn a song. And then you start playing a song. And then you're like, I'm having a hard time with this song. And so you figure out another song. You just, you don't have to be in a Grammy nominated band on a Saturday afternoon to play the guitar. You can just pick it up and strum it a little bit and then put it down. And maybe that is all you need to do. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at this week personally, or perhaps just today, <laughs> one day at a time. That's where I'm at today. Uh, woke up a little bit late, feeling good about that, but kind of fighting off a bit of a sinusy thing. It's that time of year. I was really hoping it wasn't going to happen. We'll see. I'm taking a lot of counterattack, drinking a lot of immune, Immune? <laughs> Immune boost tea, trying to drink a lot of water, and I'm on my second pot of coffee, which that's not an everyday occurrence for me anymore, thank God, but today it happens to be, and I'm just just being okay with it. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm looking forward to playing fantasy baseball this year. I was really upset with how it went last year, and hopefully like I'm going to make being there for the draft, uh, a priority. And if I can't make the date, then I'm going to say, can we do a different one? Um, hoping to be in multiple leagues again this year so that I can like take it seriously and also not seriously. Um, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the community and the camaraderie. So, uh, I, I'm, I, I was just thinking about fantasy baseball today and thinking about how I wanted to do it again. Um, and I think that, you know, I would like to have Mike Trout on my fantasy baseball team. That is my, that is my goal on one of, on one of my baseball teams. But, but if I can't have Mike Trout, then I'm going to go with Anthony Rendon. I think Anthony Rendon, he already had an MVP season. I think this year he's going to do even better because I, I think he was, I think he was at home in, in Washington. I think he had a, a great spot to be in, but I think uh, the combination of playing with Mike Trout and playing for Joe Madden is going to do a lot for that dude. So I just, that's my early, my early 2020 prediction, my early thoughts on that. Um, I'm going to do better on my pitching selections. Um, I'm going to stay steer clear of Corey Kluber. <laughs> that's my personal choice on that one. Um, and those, those are my early ones. I'm, I'm curious if Cody Bellinger can repeat. I mean, he just didn't do anything in the postseason, and so it's once again confusing. Um, so 
Speaking of confusing, I want to do our ad break here and then come back so that we can just sort of really get into what we're going to talk about on this episode because it's kind of a lot and I'm not even going to cover the whole thing because it's so much that, uh, and when I say the whole thing, I just mean I'm going to focus on one team right now, even though this big thing we're going to talk about kind of contains multiple teams. We're going to focus on the one team because that and the other investigation hasn't stopped, hasn't concluded yet. Um, so we'll be back right after this. I really appreciate you guys listening to the ads and sometimes buying the things that are on the ads because it helps us keep this show going. It helps forever dog to grow. Um, it helps, uh, business relationships for our podcast and, uh, I'm just really grateful for it. So if you don't mind, please take a listen to these ads and consider using the coupon codes for the things. Try them out. I honestly don't do ad reads for things I don't believe in. So um, check that out, and then we'll be right back with thoughts on the Astros sign-stealing uh, scandal right after this. All right, we're back. Um, thank you so much for listening to those ads. Thank you so much to cons- for for considering uh, buying those things. Really appreciate it. I know as as a podcast listener, I know how frustrating or annoying ads can be. Um, but the reality is, they help us make the show happen. Also, uh, something bench coach Brett and I were considering doing is starting a Patreon. And I would love it if I know that the fans of this show are very engaged. And that's why um, the Instagram live thing is going to happen. And uh, I really, I really look forward to your um, comments and participation. Um, And so if Patreon is something that you guys are interested in, please let us know. Drop us a line wherever you feel comfortable doing that, whether it's to the the three swings Instagram to my Instagram. It might be hard for me to find that because my Instagram filters things out, send it to via Twitter, um, especially to the three swings Twitter. Cause we'll find it there pretty quickly. Um, and keep sending those rosin bags. Cause we do really enjoy, um, reading those and getting a chance to talk to you guys through the podcast. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going to go through and start with Bench Coach Brett's beautiful notes. Let's let's all give Bench Coach Brett a nice uh, round of applause for just hitting it out of the park with his notes every single week. <laughs> thanks, Be- thanks, Brett. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. If it wasn't for you, this podcast wouldn't be happening. So very grateful to you every time I record this podcast. Here we go. After several weeks of investigation, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred announced his findings into the Astro sign stealing operations during the 2017 season and postseason. Now, keep in mind, we're at this point just talking about 2017 season and postseason, confirming that there was a systematic operation in place to use video surveillance to steal signs and relay that information to batters. So there you go. There you go. Right there. Confirmed. 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 The things that we suspected were confirmed. The things that we as Baseball fans uh, are confirmed. Manfred's report levied the following punishment against the Astros. One-year suspensions for GM Jeff Lunau. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, and I apologize if I'm not. Personally, I Astros, non-Astros, like, it's not about the team. Like, I think that guy is bad for baseball, and I don't care about learning how to pronounce his last name. And manager A.J. Hinch, loss of draft picks in 2020 and 2021, and a $5 million fine. Now, I want to pause and just, I want to take this kind of slow, but not so slow that we get too in the, the, the muck about this, because there's a lot to talk about. And I don't want to record an hour, a three-hour podcast. <laughs> I want it to be an hour, because I want people to listen to the whole thing. My initial, uh, my initial thoughts on on just this of just the GM, the manager, the loss of draft picks, and a five million dollar fine is this is a drop in the bucket. I think the person who suffers 
the most is maybe, first of all, the people that suffer the most of this are the fans. Let me just say that first and foremost, the people that suffer. And now I, I, this is all within the context of baseball fandom. I'm not this, none of this is on the same level of any sort of geopolitical global things going on because there are much bigger things going on in the world. However, that does not mean that this isn't important because if we don't take everything seriously, nothing is taken seriously. So please know that all these things I'm talking about, I take in consideration with other things going on and I take them all very seriously. However, I am a fan of baseball first and foremost. And I think as fans of baseball, regardless of whatever team you are a fan of, that this is a detriment to us. Like we are the people who suffer this the most because something we believed in was do- was done in a way that is just disrespectful to the game. It just is disrespectful to the game. Astros fan, Dodger fan, Twins fan, Atlanta fan, Red Sox fan, Yankee fan, Marlins fan. I'm putting us all on the same level here. And I'm not saying it hurt this fan more than that fan. What I'm saying is it hurt the fans. It hurt the Astros fans as much as it hurt the Mariners fans. It's hurting the A's fans as much as it hurt the Astros fans, the Tigers fans, the Rangers fans, the, the, the Cubs fans, like everybody, this is all bad for baseball, the sport of baseball, just like the steroid scandal was bad for baseball, just like the domestic violence issue that continues to happen is bad for baseball. Cheating. The, the black Sox scandal was bad for baseball. We still, as baseball fans, we still remember that Pete Rose gambling on baseball, gambling on the team that he played for bad for baseball. Do I know that bad things happen every day? Absolutely. Do I think we can stop every bad thing from happening? Not one bit, but we know this was happening. So you have a duty to stop it. When you see that something is wrong, when you know that something is wrong, it's your job to try to stop it. It just is. It just is. Now, do you, do you put yourself in a position of, of danger and not being safe? No, but it was up to AJ Hinch to stop this from happening as a manager. That's his job. And that will come up later in the report, which I've only been able to read some of it because it makes me so upset that I can't even really read it because it's so upsetting to me. And I'm like, I question myself when I read these things because I go, wait, I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to school for English. I didn't go to school for a business degree. And maybe that's why I'm so upset with it because it just is garbage. It's actual garbage. So, okay, back to the the one-year suspensions for the GM and the manager and then loss of draft picks in 2020 and 2021 and a $5 million fine. Now, the $5 million fine is the biggest one that they can levy against a team. Do, in regard, it's, it's in the Constitution, the baseball Constitution. Now, does that need to be changed? Clearly. $5 million is barely a contract. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Corey Seager signed a one... This could be wrong. I could be getting it from Instagram, but I'll say this, like even just, just like random avoid arbitration deals, one year deals for superstars are $7 million. This, this is $5 million. Like that's a lot of money to me. I don't have $5 million. If I was, if this, if this happened to me and I had to pay a $5 million fine, I'd be in prison but the Astros are a billion dollar plus corporation. This is nothing to them. It's nothing to them. The the Astros have to pay a $5 million fine, not Jose Altuve or AJ Hinch or Jeff out of his own pocket. Like the business, the organization has to pay $5 million. That's nothing. That's a, it's a tax for a world series ring at this point. Um, losing the draft picks is a big deal. Do I think that it's going to hurt the Astros on field advantage? No, not at all. They're already a deep team, um, with skills and qualifications that we've talked about a lot on this show. 
losing manager, the manager and the GM, is that going to hurt? Yes. Are they going to be able to replace them and let the thing ride itself out? Absolutely. I mean, I think the person who will come out of this on in, in terms of baseball, who will be sort of saved by baseball is AJ Hinch. I don't think he has any trouble getting back into managing a baseball team probably sooner than we think um, because baseball loves to protect baseball players and AJ Hinch is a former player. And I don't think he's going to have any trouble, especially given that most of the language in the report is pointing the finger at Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran, who both conveniently don't happen to be in the Astros organization any longer. Um, If, you think, I think, A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lonow didn't know exactly what was going on every single day in their clubhouse, you're absolutely wrong. And do I think that Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, didn't know exactly what was going on? Uh, Yeah, he did. Like, these guys know what Josh Reddick is eating for breakfast. They know what's going on. They know, they know, they know every single thing because it's, they own the, the the team. They know every single thing that's going on in their clubhouse. They do. If they didn't, they wouldn't be doing their jobs right. You know what I mean? So, like, look up the definition of own. And there are multiple definitions. And read all of those definitions. And tell me you don't think that they don't all apply. If you want to be a good owner of a team, then they should all apply. And personally... This is personally an owner should take responsibility for these things. That's the true sign of humility and understanding and uh, responsibility and dignity. And like the fact that they're not taking responsibility for it just fits so perfectly in the sort of sociopolitical atmosphere that we're in right now. That like it's a lot of pointing the finger and not taking responsibility and just getting away clean. And like, here, here we go. So we'll just get into it. After the release of the report, Lunau and Hinch were fired by Astros owner Jim Crane. So very quickly got the ax. It was within that 24-hour period of the report even coming out. Jim Crane not taking any responsibility for this and just firing the guys whose heads were going to roll anyways. And the Boston Red Sox subsequently fired Ma- manager Alex Cora, who was an Astros bench coach during the 2017 season and was mentioned by Manfred as being an instrumental part of the sign-stealing scheme. Besides Hinch, Lunau, and Cora, former Astros player Carlos Beltran, who joined the team in 2017 as a 20-year veteran and nine-time All-Star, was the most prominent person mentioned in the report, according to the report, and according to the report, Beltran was instrumental in executing the scheme. I saw gossip, whispers, whatever, Twitter things, heard it on Talking Baseball, on John Boys, like within all of this sort of conversation that Beltran got this from a minor league team and that's how he brought it into the picture. Who knows? Who knows? But Beltran's name came up very early uh, and he came on board in 2017. That's conveniently when it started. That's conveniently when they won the World Series. I also just want to point out whether it's coincidence or not, that some, not evidence, but something that pushes me towards, not only because as an owner, if you're, if you don't know what's going on in your clubhouse, you're being, you're, you're a shitty leader. Um, the, the, that whole sports illustrated, uh, your, that came out in what, 2014 or 2012, 2011. I don't remember. Uh, the 20 your 2017 world series champions with a picture of the Astros on the, with George Springer on the cover. Um, or was it Cora Correa? I don't remember. Um, how I wonder how much that cover played a part in the minds and the egos of this whole organizational scheme that Jeff Lono a graduate of McKinsey, by the way, this is a thing that I was unaware of. And I have been saying on this podcast that I, I do not like the wall streeting of baseball. And what I did not know was that it's not just the wall streeting of baseball. It's the McKinseying of baseball, which at this point in time is even more sinister than wall street. And it's unfortunate 
because it is taking over and it has it is an insidious concept in the minds of baseball. Um, Jeff Leno, as you know, has spearheaded the the Houston project, which we've talked about on this podcast, which would streamline and downsize the minor league teams by 26 teams, um, cutting jobs, removing players, instead of just like doling out some cash to grow minor league baseball. Instead, let's just cut it down. Let's trim it down and put players in front of iPads. It's all the same shit. It's just screens and data and all this shit. It's turning a game into a sequence, and I don't like it. I don't like it because they cheat, and I don't like it because it turns a sport I love into a, a computer game. Like, And I know I sound like I'm an old man yelling at a cloud, but like, some of baseball is an old man yelling at a cloud. Like, I want to watch people play a game that they don't know what's going to happen every single moment of the game. Um and speaking of that, a couple pitchers in baseball have uh, tweeted their thoughts. Two of them that come to mind are uh, Mike Clevenger, who's a pitcher for the Cleveland baseball team. Let me just quote him real quick. Best part is their fans still acting with the same pompous-ass attitude those boys walked with while taking millions of dollars from boys and jobs completely, staring at the camera, carrying a bat to first. Maybe some don't get it, but this is worse than steroids. Um, and then Alex Wood saying simply the same. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, now, of course, it's, it's uh, I don't know. A lot of <laughs> Twitter likes to jump around. I don't have the app on my phone any longer for my own sanity. And uh, uh, it just, it's jumping around. So Alex Wood basically says like he'd rather have somebody on steroids than some than throwing to somebody that knows every single pitch he's going to throw. Because honestly, when we're, when we're talking about a batter standing in the box knowing exactly what pitch is going to come, yes, they still have to hit the pitch, but that's batting practice. It's truly batting practice. When you know everything that's coming, that's how batting practice works. Um, and just to say, since uh, we're talking about Carlos Beltran, uh, he was hired as manager of the New York Mets in November. And while Manfred has cleared Beltran of possible discipline because the report says it will not punish any players, um, it's convenient that we don't want to pay the players, but we also won't punish them when they do shitty things. So I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I'm not a person who's like, living for punishment but if you don't if there's no punishment i mean there's just ugh, i just am so i'm just very frustrated by the whole thing but um the met's silence about their newly hired manager continues until today um but sources told ESPN that the Mets are assessing the situation concerning Beltran, who is supposed to open spring training with the team next month in what could be his rookie season as a big league manager. And as we've all found out as of today, Thursday, the 16th of January, Carlos Beltran and the New York Mets have parted ways. Um, now, I think we all knew that was coming. I, I can't imagine after reading the report and this pointing a finger directly at these two guys, Cora and Beltran, um, and that also kind of trying to 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 suggest that AJ Hinch didn't know what was going on again, like suggesting that any of these guys didn't know, and then the guys who were gone were the only ones that knew. It all is just very convenient, and I don't believe it for a second because also you go back and you watch these videos of AJ Hinch, and and like look, he just is acting pretty smug, and it it's not a good look. We'll just say that. I'll just say that. Um, and Beltran has since parted ways with the Mets. And I also, I have a text thread with some of my teammates who sent me the, um, uh, Jess Mendoza take on the Bob Golick show this morning. And I just, I mean, I think, I think everybody should watch it. And I just think it's one of the worst takes that I've seen (laughs) on this whole thing of saying like, oh, well you should, you we should have naturally found out. Well, how do you naturally find anything? I mean, the Yankees have been talking about this for years. Um, players have been talking about this for years. Uh, it's also a good moment to point out that like Jess Mendoza is an ESPN analyst and also supposedly working for the New York Mets. So we're getting into this territory where who's paying the bills, you know, who's, who's paying your paycheck 
And we start, you start to get into that. And that is, you know, it can be a conspiracy theory or we can really look at that. It is always about the money. Where's the money Lebowski? You know, that's always what it is. Unfortunately, that's always what it is. Like I'm not paid by major league baseball. I'm not paid by anybody, but you guys and the ads that run on my show. I have absolutely no reason to say anything specifically. And so I appreciate that kind of freedom in this show because I can have an opinion. I can talk about it freely. You guys can tell me I'm wrong and I can think about it. And I have, I have no, like there are teams that I like, but I truly love the game of baseball first and foremost. And that's why I think this thing is wrong. And I think that her take on Mike fires, not like, I don't know. I, I, does he have an ax to grind? Probably. But also like, there's no perfect person to the, the perfect person to come out and say, this is wrong is somebody currently playing for the Astros, you know, in 2017 and saying, guys, we got to stop doing this, but nobody did that. And so I truly believe that regardless, well, not regardless, but Mike fires does have a right to be disgruntled about not being on a playoff roster. He does. But he brought it up and he was willing to go on record because that is the only way that anything gets done. You know, a gossip and scandal, like it just doesn't work. One of his main reasons was not the World Series. And I want everybody to keep that in mind, that it isn't just that they won a World Series by cheating. It is that they cheated for an entire major league season. I was going to say 162 games, but they cheated during their home games. And we cannot measure the effect that that had. And Rob Manfred says this as much, and he uses it for his reasoning why he does not discipline the players. And I say it's the opposite because you cannot actually measure the effect that this had on the game of baseball, that there are guys who were called up to, to pitch against the Astros who got lit up in less than three innings because they, they knew what pitches were coming and then they got sent back down never to come back up again. And it has affected their value. It affected their career. Who knows? These guys won awards over other players who performed without this type of cheating. We cannot actually measure the effect that this had on the game. And I just want people to keep that in mind. It is not about the words that I'm saying right now are not about me being a Dodger fan and being disgruntled that that team lost the World Series to a team that was cheating. That's not what it's about. That's in there, but that's not what it's about. Ultimately, it is about how this affects the game of baseball, and that cannot be measured. And to me, that is why you have to discipline the players for doing that. I mean, we suspend players for taking steroids, And these guys admitted to doing it and they face no discipline. There's no asterisks. There's nothing. And I'm not even fighting to have it taken away, but Jim Crane gets to keep his championship. He pays a measly $5 million fine and he goes on with his day. He gets a new manager to do his bidding. He gets a new GM to do his bidding and it just keeps going. The initial reaction to the report throughout the league and online was mostly one of shock based largely on the unprecedented length of the suspensions for Lenau and Hinch. Now, I personally think that these are not long enough. Um, The loss of draft picks will also be damaging to a team that has found most of its stars in the draft in Alex Bregman, George Springer, and Carlos Correa, and has used later round draft picks as key trade assets in acquiring players like Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke. However, on closer inspection of the report, some common criticisms have emerged from journalists as well as players and front office executives throughout the league. The presiding feeling among the rest of the MLB is that Houston Astros owner Jim Crane walked away from Manfred's punishment as the biggest winner, retaining his championship and the future of his franchise at a relatively low cost. As one source told ESPN, the sport lost, but Crane won. In fact, Manfred's report goes out of its way very early on to absolve Crane of any wrongdoing. At the outset, Manfred writes, I also can say our investigation revealed absolutely no evidence 
that Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, was aware of any of the conduct described in this report. Crane is extraordinarily troubled and upset by the conduct of members of his organization, fully supported by my investigation, and provided unfettered access to any and all information requested. Despite that, the report also makes the seemingly contradictory point that the Astros organizational culture was, quote, problematic, blaming the sign-stealing system on, quote, an environment that allowed the conduct described in this report to have occurred. It's worth noting here that under the MLB Constitution, the MLB commissioner works for the owners. Crane is literally Manfred's boss, The owners select the commissioner and can vote to remove him from office. So, not only does Jim Crane own the Astros, he owns the commissioner of Major League Baseball who investigated him and found him of no wrongdoing and, quite honestly, did his bidding. I don't believe this for a second, and I think that Not only did this owner know exactly what was going on in his clubhouse, so does any other owner who's, who's got things going on in their clubhouse. The Yankees are, have been said to have stolen signs. The Red Sox have been said to stolen signs. Other teams that we don't know of have stolen signs. Every owner knows what's going on because if they didn't, they wouldn't be doing their job. Now I have also heard other owners not quoted uh, anonymously say that they don't want to cheat, but this punishment is something they would absolutely do to win a World Series. They would absolutely pay $5 million. They would absolutely allow their GM and their manager to have a one-year sub- suspension, fire them. Absolutely worth winning a World Series. So to me, this is a tax to get a trophy. And uh, one team I know that probably wouldn't want to pay that tax is Cleveland, so I don't have anything to worry about in that that regards because they don't even want to spend money on the players they've already got. Uh, Multiple ownership-level sources told ESPN that dissatisfaction with the penalties had emerged following a conference call with Manfred in which he explained how the Astros would be disciplined, then told teams to keep their thoughts to themselves. The impression, one person familiar with the call told ESPN, was that the penalty for complaining would be more than Houston got. Which leads me to once again say, this is all a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) And it's all just like, they're really just going through the motions to try to reassure, I don't know who, that yes, we paid attention. Yes. We looked into it. Yes. It's a problem. Yes. These heads will roll. Okay. What about the players? Like I said early, it's also notable, notable that no players were punished in the report, despite the fact that the sign stealing scheme was largely player driven. I also would just say, I wonder how much of this was largely player driven. There's a quote in the report that I highlighted, highlighted, which of course is now not highlighted. Um, where did it go? Um, uh, I can't find it now. Of course. Um, basically it's, it, it says that no, no one aside from the players, <laughs> many of the players who were interviewed admitted that they knew the scheme was wrong because it crossed the line from what the player believed was fair competition and or violated major league rules. Players stated that if manager AJ Hinch told them to stop engaging in the conduct, they would have immediately stopped. I, I, I <laughs> uh, several players told my investigators that there was a sense of quote panic in the Astros dugout after white Sox pitcher, Danny Farquhar. If you haven't seen this sequence, uh, just go to John boys, uh, YouTube or his Twitter. You can find it pretty easily appeared to notice the trash can bangs before the game ended. A group of Astros players removed the monitor from the wall in the tunnel and hid it in an office. Uh, for the postseason, a portable monitor was set up on a table to replace the monitor that had been affixed to the wall near the dugout. Uh, it, it also states in here somewhere that there's, there's no, there were no players. It it was only players that did this. It was, there were, it was no one outside of the players, the bench coach, 
um, who were participating in it. Um, I, I, I really do wish I could find this particular language because it really sticks out, uh, by my, um, to me because I, there's actual video evidence that proves that to not be true, um, that circulated on the internet, which is that hallway where they had this monitor set up, which they then took down after Danny Farquhar figured them out. Um, there's the footage of either Altuve or Correa hopping up the dugout step or the, the hallway steps into the locker room during the World Series where you see a random Astros, pl- uh, not player, but a- random Astros worker employee because he's got a polo and khakis on just like groundskeepers or other data be- taking the, the monitor down. So he had to have known something about it. Like a, you got to take it down. B that shouldn't be up there. C he knows everything about it. I mean, any of those things could be true. Any of those things could be true. And the fact that they don't want to investigate any of it leads me to believe that they know way more than they're telling us because they've gone through emails. They know what happened. Um, the report notes that it's the responsibility of the general manager and field manager that being AJ Hinch to make sure players know and follow the rules. And that's why Lunau and Hinch took the fall. Also though unsaid suspending players would be met with pushback from the players union and with a looming labor battle and a collective bargaining agreement that expires after the 2021 season. That's probably an extra fight. Major league baseball wants little part of I wish and hope that the union does something about this. They probably won't. Um, It's also a logistical nightmare. It is difficult because virtually all of the Astros players had some involvement or knowledge of the scheme. And I am not in a position based on the investigative record to determine with any degree of certainty every player who should be held accountable or their relative degree of culpability. Manfred wrote, it is impractical given the large number of players involved and the fact that many of those players now play for other clubs. This, This right here is evidence to me as to why an asterisk or vacating the title or vacating awards is the punishment to players. It's not monetary. It's not individual, except for those awards that I'm talking about. Now, I understand as if you are an Astros fan that this is probably hard. All of it is hard to hear, and I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. Because I know what it's like to be on the end of a team doing things you don't like, doing things that are bad, doing things you think are wrong, doing things you disagree with, losing, all of those things. I've been kind of in your shoes, but never fully. And so I just want to pause again to say that this is not about the Astros being the bad guys, although I have disliked some of their attitudes. And at the time in 2017, people gave me, this is interpersonal. People gave me a lot of shit about not liking the Astros. A, I was rooting for the other team. So that's why I don't like the Astros. B, there was something I could not put my finger on that I didn't like. Now, did I know it was this? No. Did I feel that it was this? Yes. There was something going on that I didn't like the way they, you know, this puts a lot of things into different perspectives. You know, you go back and you watch those games and you, you can see where they turned it on, like literally turned it on. And it wasn't just like, you know, even Bregman against the, the, the nationals this year could not hit. Then all of a sudden grand slam, grand slam, you know, I, I just, it's there. You can see it. And I don't, and I even like Alex Bregman. I do. His spat with Trevor Bauer, totally different now. Um, Altuve's hitting power, I don't respect it as much. Yuli Gurriel making fun of you, Darvish. So what you're telling me is that Yuli Gurriel knew exactly what pitch you, Darvish, was going to throw because the, he was doing, he and his teammates were doing something they knew was wrong and that their coach wasn't telling them to stop doing. They did those things knowing it was wrong. And on top of that, he sat down in the dugout and he mocked you Darvish's appearance. It's a lot to take. It's a lot to take. It's a lot to deal with. And I'm sorry to the Astros fans who are good folks who disagreed with that shit when it was going on. 
because there were a lot of people who wanted to, <laughs> it's fun to say bang the drum in this con- context, but there were a lot of fans on TV that we saw who went hard in the other direction. And so to the Astros fans who did not defend that behavior, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to go through this. I'm sorry that you wanted to win a championship and you watched your team do it. And now you have to find out that they cheated to do it. It's, it's gotta hurt. It's gotta hurt real bad. And I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. I'm truly sorry. Cause I know what it's like. I know what it's like to want to watch your team win a world series, a team that hasn't a team that got close, a team that I know what it's like. I know what it's like as a child. I know what it's like. I know I feel you and I'm sorry. I, I am sorry that your team did this to you because it's, it's, it's a hard thing to watch your team do when they just lose outright. It's a hard thing to watch. So I can't imagine what it's, what it's like to have won and to experience that joy of winning and then have that taken away. Well, attempted, because you can never really take it away. But like, I can't imagine what that feels like. And I'm sorry that your team did that to you. I'm sorry that your team did that to you because it sucks. And a lot of this is, is, is a reflection of, of what politics is like now, of what media is like now, because that's why I bring up the Jess Mendoza stuff. The, the real punishment now lies in the hearts and minds of fans of baseball because the, the hearts and minds of fans of baseball and the history of baseball exists only in, in our, our collective fabric of the game, which this tears and, and pulls it apart, right? So if they're not going to make them vacate any trophies, we will remember. We will see it. It will come up in our hearts and minds, whether we're opposing it or fighting it. You know, it is the job now of us to remember this, to stop it from happening again. We all know now. We know now and you can't go back. So it is the job of us to remember that this happened. And so to me, I watch, this is where it gets really hazy and really gross that you have these contracts with teams and cable networks um, because also there's an article that went around on Twitter um, about the Astros and Roots, their their broadcast network moving as center field camera to get a more accurate depiction of pitches. It, it has a completely new context now because was Roots involved in it? I don't know. Probably. You can't tell me they weren't because they, they provided the camera and they're all connected. So what would Roots, what, what interest would Roots have to look at this from a morally objective point of view. They don't because they don't want to lose money and it's all about money. And this goes to every team. All these teams have deals with spectrum. The Dodgers deals with, uh, uh, FS one deals. That's why the, the, the more and more private baseball becomes in trimming down their minor league teams, allowing for only, the major league product to be the product that we can access. This is when it starts to get worse. And that is what's scary to me. When you become a mouthpiece for a corporate entity, there's no autonomy and it's no longer objective. And so Jess Mendoza's take is not great. And I fully disagree with it. Um, And I think that She's totally wrong, but I appreciate her being in the game, but I think it's a bad take and it's a bad take for the game. Um, and it's all like, I, I hesitate to use the word collusion because collusion implies that everyone's on the same page to do it. I think collusion can happen without you realizing you're colluding, you know? And I, I, I think that the involvement of media with these teams and the ownership of media and teams makes everything very complicated and very simple and it's all connected and you just have to follow the money. 
So, did sign stealing make a difference? <laughs> Bench coach Brett has simply, yes. <laughs> uh, in 2016, an improving but not yet great Astros team struck out 1,452 times. That was a whole lot. Roughly one out of every three outs the team made that year came by strikeout. And only three big league teams. This is all a quote, by the way. Uh, th- let me let me just go back and just tell you this is all this is all I'm giving you a straight up quote from the smartest guys in the clubhouse by Dave Roth on the New Republic. If you have not read that article, you should read it. It came out before the punishment was doled out on December 3rd of last year. I highly recommend going back and reading it. So let me start again. In 2016, an improving but not yet great Astros team struck out 1,452 times. That was a whole lot. Roughly one out of every three outs the team made that year came by strikeout. And only three big league teams struck out more often. Seven of the nine players who most frequently filled out the team's lineup card struck out at least 100 times. Trends in the game had normalized this to an extent, if not necessarily at the scale. Strikeouts were fine so long as there were a sufficient number of home runs built into the deal. You'll all remember this. Exit velocity, fly ball revolution, beating the shift, all of this stuff is what we were talking about at the time. In 2016, the the team hit 191. During the team's championship season a year later, everything changed. Everything. As a whole, the team struck out just 1,087 times. That's nearly 400 strikeouts less while walking slightly less often, 509 walks as compared to 543 than they had the year before. The Astros hit 247 and reached base at a 319 clip in 2016. In 2017, those numbers leaped to 282 and 346, respectively. The world champion Astros hit 40 more homers than the third place but spunky Astros had, the year before 40 more. It is not evidence of anything in particular, let alone anything sinister that a world series champion would hit better than a team that finished in third place. Players improve and lineups change. And both of those things happened here, but it's no more surprising to learn given the dramatic shift in the numbers that it later turned out that the Astros were cheating videotaping the opposing catchers pitch signals, and then using a trash can near the team dugout to pound out semaphore style, a message to the hitter about the pitch about to arrive. Given the combination of reverence and fear with which the rest of the sport regarded Lunau and his team of analysts who were already deftly working angles and analyzing data that other teams couldn't even see yet. The overt oafishness of the Astros 2017 cheating scheme came as no small shock. Not a big surprise there. I'm going to take another quick break and we'll be right back to wrap up this very long conversation about what happened in 2017. Thank you again for listening to those ads and thanks for considering purchasing one of those many amazing items. Um, Let's wrap this up this conversation um, with what is probably going to be the tenderest part of it, um, which once again, perhaps might make an Astros fan feel like I'm talking about you, but I'm not. I'm simply talking about a corporate entity. So please keep that in mind. The Astros culture. This is again from that same article. So please read that whole article, um, for information on that. Um, I also just want to say, speaking to the fan, there's been like an Altuve, uh, Jersey sort of tinfoil hat thing. I don't think that Altuve's Jersey not getting ripped off at the ALCS is because he had a buzzer on him. I don't think that's why I actually believe that guy that he's shy and he didn't want his shirt ripped off. I just, I just do believe that. But I could also be totally wrong. Um, I, I, and I just think, I just want to point that out because it's one that's going around today. And I, I don't think that it's true. I think that like they had a good thing going and they figured it out and they kept going with that. Um, so let's get to the Astros culture. And this is again from Dave Roth's article on the new Republic. 
Uh, the success of the 2017 Astros seemed all the more remarkable in light of how bad the Astros had been just a few years earlier. The objectively terrible Astros teams of the early 2010s were bad by design. But any team that loses two out of every three games for three straight seasons tends to stick in the mind. General Manager Jeff Leno, a former McKinsey consultant, McKinsey is a consulting company that specializes in baseball analytics and overthrowing regimes in geopolitical situations. So they do lots of stuff. They're an equal opportunity employer when it comes to affecting everything. Uh, whom the Astros poached from the Cardinals back in 2012. Now, remember that the Cardinals were suspended the year before or in 2017, uh, one of their scouts who was also named Correa stole data from the Astros and took it back to the Cardinals and he got in some trouble. Uh, had efficiently torched the middling and mid-priced roster he inherited while painstakingly putting together a years-long effort to remake the team's farm system. What emerged... now painstakingly putting together a years-long effort to remake the team's farm system. He now has his hands and eyes on remaking the entire farm system to benefit teams and structures and organizations that have systems of data put in place like the Astros. What emerged after those years of meticulous and intentional awfulness was something like the perfect contemporary baseball roster. Might I also add here that every that all of these teams are purposely tanking, similar to the Astros, trying to do the same thing. Deep and talented and anchored by veteran stars who stubbornly, stubbornly refused to decline, but primarily built around and upon young players the team drafted during its years at the bottom. Those players would for years continue to be wildly underpaid relative to their production thanks to the way MLB's salary structure works. That last cost-saving data point is the sort of thing that baseball fans have been conditioned during the arbitrage-obsessed moneyball era to regard as an objective good. Executives and owners tend to use the words like flexibility or sustainability to describe this approach, and many fans have come to adopt the same market-savvy argo. Prioritizing that sort of thing and using that sort of language were things that Jeff Lenau did very well. Can I also point out that this is the kind of shit that I don't like? I think if you work for McKinsey, you should not be allowed to play work in baseball. It's amazing that women were banned from the sport for 50 years, but you can work for McKinsey and you can jump right in. Lunau was a true McKinsey consultant's consultant, which is to say that he was secretive and a little smug. He reliably kept outsiders, a group that included for years of his tenure, even the players in his employ, on a need-to-know basis when it came to the work that he and a decision sciences team were doing as they collected and parsed every available bead of data that the game could provide. He was so devoted to efficiency that he engaged consultants from McKinsey to audit the organization and inevitably to disrupt the org chart every year. The collective mission was to ensure that the Astros brand of Moneyball would stay artfully yet efficiently poised on the bleeding edge of managerial minded innovation. If those words don't make you sick, I don't know what will. This is not baseball. This is automation. All perfectly bloodless in the management consulting way, then, but with not not without some carnage. There were stories that the front office culture Leno had created in Houston was not just cutthroat and paranoid, but increasingly high-handed and stridently amoral. Now, again, this is not the fans. I'm talking about a corporation. Lunau overruled junior staffers and acquired a talented young closer at a discount while that pitcher served a 75-game suspension for domestic violence. He pushed unsuccessfully, thank God, to sign Luke Heimlich, a college pitcher whose prospect status evaporated when it was revealed that he was a convicted sex offender who preyed on minors. But the results spoke for themselves. Now, that last part is something that I conveniently forgot. But this is the guy who wanted to pick up Luke Heimlich. And I don't want to get too much into the details of that because you can find them readily available on the internet. This is bad stuff. This dude is a bad dude. These are bad things. These are bad, bad things. These are bad, bad things. This guy is bad for baseball. This type of person is bad for baseball. And I think a one-year suspension is not long enough. 
And who knows? He'll probably, he's hired and put it in. McKinsey has infiltrated the game. So once that's in there, who knows who he's still connected to and still talking to and, and shadow work, you know, all these things. Uh, I just, the, the, you know, you pull one thread and you find out a lot and it was the Asuna stuff and it was the Brandon Taubman stuff. And Brandon Taubman has also been suspended from major league baseball period for one year or uh, until 20, the end of the 2021 world series, not long enough, not long enough. I think you have to drain this swamp personally, but <clears throat> that's not going to happen because too many of these people are too connected with each other that they're not going to do it, but it's not good for baseball. It's not good for baseball. And I will close with the origins of the scheme. In looking back at the origins of the sign-stealing scheme, this is a crime that always was hiding in plain sight. At the beginning of the 2017 season, the Astros literally held a press conference to announce several changes to the center field section of Minute Maid Park, including the repositioning of the center field camera feed so that it was directly in line with the pitcher, batter, and home plate. The Astros announced two reasons for making the change. They wanted to improve their accuracy in showing balls and strikes, and they wanted to better optimize the advertisements behind home plate. There you go. Follow the money. We wanted a new camera angle that improves the strike zone the fans see on TV, as well as the benefit of the advertisers getting more value for their signs. <laughs> Convenient use of language there, team president Reed Ryan said. Before, you always had a little bit of brick on the side. It didn't look centered. Well, this whole thing is pretty off-center, and that's the problem. The hiding in plain sight. The most obvious answer is usually the right one. A lot of the stuff that's going on in our lives, well, it's not really in our lives, but it's sort of nearby. The political conversations that we're having. I mean, you watch five minutes of, of anybody talking on television and they tell you exactly what they mean. And we twist ourselves up. The media twists it around because they got to keep it going for days and days and days because they got to pay their advertisers. Because the whole reason we even have television, the whole reason we even had radio was to advertise. You know, I watched a really great movie. I've watched it twice now because I'm lucky enough to be in two unions, the Writers Union and the uh, Screen Actors Guild. And I, for that reason, I get a lot of screeners of movies and I get to watch movies in my house that I otherwise maybe wouldn't get to see. And I watched a movie twice um, that I really love and enjoy and it's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I really implore everybody to go see it. I was incredibly cynical about this movie. I did not want to see it. I thought it was a clear Oscar grab, which didn't turn out the way that it should have. But then I found out that Mariel Heller directed it. And I love her work. I don't just see things because a woman did it. But I often will be more open to something because a woman did it. And then make a decision after that. But I personally love her work. Can you ever forgive me or please forgive? I can't, whatever. I really, I really enjoyed that movie. And that movie too is really worth a watch if you haven't seen it, because it talks a lot about some of the similar ideas that we're talking about here, which is, is it wrong? How do we, how do we tell ourselves we're doing okay when we know we're doing something wrong? But A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is about Fred Rogers. And I just, there's a moment in there where they're sort of recreating some old Fred Rogers footage. And so I'm sure we could dig up this footage too to watch the actual Fred Rogers saying it. But it's Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers who says, we, we, we as Americans talk to our children about what they will be, what they'll grow to be. We, we focus a lot on what, what, what someone will be, that they'll, they'll be this, they'll be an astronaut or, or they'll be this thing. And we, we don't talk to them a lot about what they already are, but something else that he mentions in that is that they'll grow to be a consumer one day. And that's how we raise our kids in this country is to buy stuff. And so that's why I do focus on the money a lot because this country runs on money. 
And it would be naive to think that any of this stuff is free from money. It's not. And that's the reason a lot of people do things, because winning equals money. And so what do you want to consume? You know, that's that's where we're at. Now. Do you want to consume? Do you want to participate? Do you want to witness? Do you want to do something real? And I just think this is all incredibly unfortunate, and it's a huge disservice to fans of the game. And I think more will be revealed when it comes to, you know, the Red Sox involvement. I think um, I, I am less, I, I focus a lot less on the World Series with the Red Sox situation um, because for me, both of the situations is less about the World Series necessarily than it is about the effect that this had o- over the entire season of baseball and how many people and jobs that affected overall. Um, I think that we just all need to slow down and look at each other and think what's important here. Um, there's a lot of people yelling at each other on the internet about this. And so that's why I'm glad to be taking this mostly to my podcast because yes, I have an opinion and yes, I, I, I didn't like the way the game was being played in 2017 by this team. And I didn't know what it was, but a lot of it was this. And I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Um, but what it really comes down to is the McKinsey of the game. And I just can't abide by that, you know, personally. And I have no control over it. I have no idea how much McKinsey affects the teams that I do like. So I don't know. So this is not me saying I'm better than anybody else. This is just me saying, hey, I'm going to abridge what I was saying earlier, which is, the Wall Streeting of baseball is now the McKinseying of baseball, and I don't like any of it. Um, and so I'm going into this 2020 season with a lot of that on my mind, and I'll be looking for it, and I'll be aware of it because that's also where we're at. We know now. We know now. It's not paranoia. It's reality. The Washington Nationals beat the Astros because they knew this was potentially happening, because they naturally found out from players talking to other players. So they devised a scheme that did not go against the rules and their scheme beat the Astros sign stealing scheme and they won. So it is defeatable, but just because something's defeatable doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. So that pretty much wraps up my conversation about this here. I, the, there's some chatter about the LA city council making their own trophies I don't know how I feel about that yet. Maybe we'll talk about that on the Instagram live next week. Uh, there was also a, a, an article in the LA times about Dave Roberts speaking at uh, a faith council that has been involved in some anti LGBTQ uh, stuff and, and sounds pretty gnarly, but the article was uh, a pretty good read and I'm still like sort of digesting those thoughts. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit maybe later on the Instagram live. So please come back around for that. And bring me some uh, rosin bag questions for that. That was my dog, Murph. Um, and we'll talk about them then. Also, if you're in San Francisco this weekend, I'll be at Sketchfest. And then the weekend after that, I'll be in Toronto. So go to my website for tickets. <laughs> um, I hope to see you there. Please, uh, you know, wear your three swing stuff. And, uh, you know, tell a friend, rate, review, subscribe. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.